Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, Colin, I'll tell you what's up. Missouri, on Saturday, played a tremendous football game against the in-state rival, Southeast Missouri State, and came away with a 59-28 to win. They sure did. It was one of those games we knew the outcome before it started. And uh, I think there were just a couple boxes we really wanted to check. I mean, box one, don't get hurt. Box two, look like you're supposed to be there and going to kick their ass. And box three, right? Box three, chow down. <laughs> and box four, write them a healthy check for having showed up and getting their yeah, ass pounded. So, well, I mean, we, I mean, this is pretty predictable, but Mizzou has been a team that in the past has um, really, really, really managed to uh, give us a scare or make us all together look bad against uh, terrible opponents. So we'll you know, count our many blessings. I'm going to be quite honest, Colin. There were points in the second half where I was checking out a little bit. I mean, it was long since over by you know the fourth quarter. And you look at the final score, 59 to 28, you see that uh, Southeast Missouri State put up four touchdowns worth of points on Missouri. And I even had a few tweets that were like bagging on the defense, but the reality of this situation. And if you watch this game at all, you realize that this team, you know, SEMO was scoreless in the first half and they didn't get any points on the board until late in this game. And every point that they did score was in garbage time minutes with second and most likely third string defenders well, I saw, I saw from Missouri. A lot of people online, but money like, boy, Missouri's got no depth of defense. Boy, I hope we don't have to ever have to do this because we got nobody. And it's like, we won't have to do this. We're literally playing the second, third string. What are you talking about? Quit worrying about shit that's not real. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, it's like worrying about Santa Claus raping your old lady. It's not a real concern, guys. It's okay. I don't think we're going to need the third string defense to come in against Georgia. It does show, I think, that obviously our second string and third string players aren't as good as SEMO's first string, I guess. I mean, it would be nice if we had you know, backups to our backup who could kick their ass. But as best we can, we're going to play our first string, you know, and it, it yeah. shouldn't tell us anything. I mean, obviously, not only are our backups backups for a reason, but this is the first amount of reps they've gotten. Keep in mind, Drinkwitz played 71 players in this game on Saturday. So you are <laughs> when Simo puts up a touchdown, this is not, this is an aberration, you know, and the, what if you want to see what our Missouri Tigers are, you got to talk about the first and second quarter of this game. The second half means nothing other than getting valuable active minutes for our backups. And, and it is worth talking about the backup quarterbacks both had a touchdown drive in the second half. That was great. But the reality is uh, we played an overmatched opponent and we did what we were supposed to do and came up relatively unscathed. You know, I think it, uh, by the second half, people were just looking for anything to really hold on to. And don't be wrong. It didn't, you know, it didn't look great, but again, I mean, it's, who cares? I mean, they're obviously continuing to play their first string. We're playing our uh, guys who are never going to see the field again. We also got to see that like a guy like Tyler Beatty is such a superstar that against a competition like SEMO, he's utterly unstop- unstoppable. I mean, he. Do you re- they really could have run a screen pass to Tyler Beatty 
on every possession and scored in one play, it he, seemed like. Yeah, and we know that Eli Drinkwitz likes his screen passes, but there are times that they get blown up and times that they don't go anywhere and times that our receivers don't hold their blocks well enough, but not against SEMO. And against well, SEMO, I mean, it's, a, it's six points. If you listen to the Kentucky <laughs> show, you know that I didn't, you know, wasn't, I had my issues with, uh, you know, some of the things that um, Coach Drinkwitz or did, but I can promise everybody right now, I feel confident in saying that at no point during the rest of the season is Coach Drinkwitz going to ask our third stringers to play against an SEC opponent. So I feel like everybody can just uh, rest easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you take away from a game like this, Colin, when we're playing? I mean, it was a get-right game for us. We needed it psychologically, I think, as much as anything that was a big help for our team. But what are your takeaways from this sort of paid-for win? Well, like I said, I think um, – it's good for the players. It's good for confidence. Um, it's it's basically a scrimmage. It's a you know it's a way to refine and polish your team before you go into the the meat of the season. It, it, it's wholly positive, really. I mean, they did exactly what you want them to do against a dirtbag opponent. You know, Basilak looks good. He continues to look good. I mean, I don't. I mean, his uh, his stats from the first half would have been wonderful for a full game. Beatty continues to be better than just good. You know, he is a special player. And, uh, you know, Basilek continues to take a little bit of heat I see online. And I just feel like it's not that Basilek's perfect. I'm not saying that. But Basilek is, you know, to this point has given Mizzou fans, I don't think, any reason but but to support and have confidence in him. You know, I mean, he seems poised, accurate, and he seems to have all the arm you're going to need. And he's mobile. And, you know, he not that he's been perfect, but he makes very few mistakes. I, I'm not, I still don't understand um, – there's, I know there's there's still some people on the fence about Baselak, and I, I just I'm not really sure I understand that sentiment. Cook and Macon both look good. I mean, if, if Mizzou fans are truly worried about depth, quarterback's a good position not to have a lot of worries. And I I really don't feel we got a, we got a four star guy coming in, and we got two guys behind Baselak that I think are both legitimate Division One prospects at quarterback. I Mizzou kind of has an embarrassment of riches right now. I feel like at the quarterback position and, and Kiki Chisholm continues to look good. You know, the, I think young is going to become more and more involved in the offense and he's really got a lot of speed. He's, um, he's a guy that if you can get him any room, he's going to make some people look bad. You know, offensively, everything is, you know, everything looks great. I mean, I think everybody knows the defense is what has was scared everybody. And, uh, drain certainly kind of had a much, had a bounce back game. He looked good, but, you know, our defensive line ultimately is, is our biggest Achilles heel. And it's hard to learn anything about our defensive line if they're improving, if they're really bad against SEMO. You know, I mean, it's just it's the problem with this game is the net sum is zero as far as what you've learned ultimately. In reference to Basilak, Colin, I, I think there is an element of that, that Drew Locke was sort of the, the quarterback that was chiseled from marble and people had such high hopes for. And not that Drew Locke was in any way a bad quarterback, but I think – he probably didn't reach the heights that maybe we had hoped. And certainly he is hopefully have, he has a successful career in the NFL and is a talented arm, no doubt. But Basilak's just a different kind of quarterback and people are going to have to get used to that. And like you've said all season long to this point, the problems we've had as a football team have not been caused by Connor Basilak. He's done what we needed him to do. And especially, you know, that Ken, that Kentucky game that we lost. We scored four touchdowns, you know, we, we had 28 points on them and needed one more to win it, you know, but that reason we needed one more was not because we weren't doing enough offensively. It was because of that terrible, terrible defense. And, you know, it, it, it is interesting because Wilkes has taken a ton of heat. You know what I mean? He could easily turn this thing around. I, I do think like you can be very unhappy with the defense, but like, let's, <laughs> let's take it easy a little bit. Right. Cause Let's see what Steve Wilkes can do, A, when he's had some time to teach these guys these more complex NFL-type schemes. You know, you just don't have the type of training and practice schedule and preseason that you have in the NFL. And I don't know that he was ready for how little of that we were going to have and how unprepared our players were going to be. But also, like, next year when we get some horses in the stable. You know, like, we are trying to do – you can't do anything with offensive linemen if they're undersized, if they're under talented. And I think in a lot of cases, that's what we contend with is that you see them do well against a SEMO because they're up against talent that they can push around. But when you get against a good SEC team, and I think even 
the most diehard Mizzou fan would admit that Kentucky now has a uh, strong offensive line compared to our defensive line. They're just not going to hold up. And I, I, I think we're going to be struggling with that all year long. And then you can scheme all you want, but until our guys just get bigger and stronger and tackle better, uh, we're going to yeah. have problems on that unit. No, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, ultimately what your defensive coordinator is responsible for is the scheme. And I don't hate the scheme. You know what I mean? I don't like, I don't mind one-on-one matchups on the outside. I prefer it. You know, I like blitzing. I have tackled poorly. Um, the, you know, the, the defensive line is under talented. And, but most of those problems, at least especially on the defensive line, I think don't belong to Steve Wilkes. Now, um, you know, tackling, you know, that can fall into that coaching category. Certainly, um, like Blaze Aldridge, for, you know, he had a three and a half sacks his first game and since then has been what's most notable about him is how often he misses tackles or, uh, you know, bounces off somebody when he tries to make a tackle. Uh, Martez Manuel has been, I mean, MIA. Completely um, disappoints me to all no end. I was, re- he was one of the top people I was looking forward to having a big year this year. And to this point, just hasn't even shown up. Jeff Coat. Um, I mean, there's some guys that were supposed to be, um, sort of the anchor for this defense and, um, none of them to this point has really set themselves apart as a, as a leader. I think that's one of the things that our defense lacks right now is who's, who's in charge. I mean, everybody knew who was in charge when Bolton was there or Cale Garrett was there. You know what I mean? Like there was a guy, he was the best guy on the field and everybody looked to him to make plays. And honestly, on defense, I don't know who that guy is for Mizzou right now. No, I mean, you look at a guy like Abrams drain and half the time when he's had a bad play, it's because when the ball was snapped, his head was face, facing the other direction. You know, like he doesn't look like he knows where he's supposed to be at the time that the ball gets snapped. And then when he lets players catch receptions, he's no, he's not in position, you know, and that was a little bit better, obviously, like you said against SEMO, but like that is coachable, you know, I mean, that is a problem that the coaches should see and remedy before they put a guy like that out on the field, even. And, uh, well, I mean, he's a talented guy, and I think that's why he's out on the field. Like, you're going to, he's young, you're going to put up with some mistakes because he's also going to make plays, and he has. But, um, you know, looking at, at a, a kid like him to be the leader of your defense at this point, doesn't speak very highly of your defense. It doesn't mean in, in, in two years he's not, won't be the leader of this defense, but he isn't right now, and he shouldn't have to be. Um, that Wingo kid is, you know, a, a small bright spot, but I just, I'm looking for somebody on this defense to say, I'm the guy in charge. I'm the guy who's going to make a play. I'm the guy who's going to force a turnover. And I thought that guy was going to be Martez Manuel, and at this point it hasn't been. Well, I, I mean, I think the lesson we have right now is that the talent we have at the first string is okay, but we, we, we could do better and there's not much behind them. I and mean, we did see that in the second half of the SEMO game. The, the depth is not there, but you know, we got guys like a Caleb Evans and Allie Green from Tulsa who transferred. And I think when that happened, we all thought, Oh, our secondary woes are, uh, are over because we've got these transfers, but you know, there was no guarantee that those guys were going to be world beaters. And I think a lot of people said, Hey, hold your horses. What makes you think the guys that are coming in are any better than the guys that left? I mean, well, and Brent, truthfully, the back end of the defense is the least of my concerns, really. I mean, for as inexperienced as some of them are, and you're plugging in transfers and stuff, the back end of the defense hasn't really been my big concern. It's the, the front seven. I mean, the, the, the linebackers, um, can't tackle and the defensive line just gets swallowed whole by whoever we're playing. If it's not SEMO, well, um, they can't shed blocks to save their life. No. And that's, that's, you know, that, you know, you know Abrams drain and the rest of the gang back there, like said, you know, I, I feel like are holding their own, uh, to some extent, but the front is, uh, well, the front seven is bad. And that's, and true. I, I hate that we're bad. I mean, just to wall up SEMO. And I feel like all we're doing is bagging on the team, but, um, you know, I, I don't love what I've seen on the offensive line a whole lot. I mean, not that the offensive line has played necessarily bad, but they certainly haven't been a dominating force, especially against like Central Michigan. They just look, they just look bad. Well, and, uh, that worries me too when you talk about having to play teams like Georgia. Cause Georgia's fucking front seven is as good as it. I mean, the vast majority of them will probably be drafted. And, uh, if we can't handle Central Michigan, Florida or Georgia's going to make it, make it very difficult. You know, it doesn't matter how good Tyler Beatty is if he's going to get hit three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And the immediate concern is obviously Boston College, where we're heading to this weekend. Road game, you know, obvious type of trap game. I don't think it's a trap game at this point, just from the standpoint of like, 
what has this team done to this point in the season to think that this is they are just a, this is a lock? Uh, if we would have beat Kentucky, I would say trap game. But since we didn't beat Kentucky, this is a, I feel like anybody who's not looking at this is a must win in that locker room is a fucking idiot. Oh sure, well it's a two point game. I mean Vegas has got Mizzou as the two point favorite on the road, but Boston College is sitting at three and zero, and I'm going to go through their three opponents they've beaten so far, and it's not going to be an impressive list. Colgate, UMass, and Temple. But the scores, Boston College 51, Colgate nil. Uh, Boston College 45, UMass 28, that was on the road. And then Boston College 28-3 to to Temple on the road. I mean, so they're 3-0, and and they obviously can beat inferior talent. But Well, what- in, our, in our defense, Brennan, you should be able to beat a toothpaste pretty handily. Yeah, that's true. The Crest is their next opponent, actually, funny enough. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it, honestly, <laughs> I think it's something we may be able to look forward to, hopefully, is that maybe, just maybe, Boston College is going to overlook us because after having played three crazy bad teams, next week, after this game against Missouri, they are heading to Clemson, South Carolina to play in Death Valley against uh, number nine Clemson. So who knows? Maybe they'll be thinking ahead to that game and uh, overlook us. Well, one can hope. <laughs> I don't know, though, Colin. I mean, what. What's your gut say about going into to Boston? I do feel like it's the kind of game it's like, oh, shit, that's the kind of game we can fucking lose. But I also feel like maybe we already had that game against Kentucky. I don't know. I mean, we have to win it. If if we don't win this game, our season is – I mean, look, we're going to be 2-2, two and two and some of our weakest opponents are going to be in the rearview mirror. I'm calling it now. Mizzou by two touchdowns. Two. T- you think it's a blowout? I think so. That's okay. why – I feel I feel it in in my loins, <laughs> in your in my peaches. mommy daddy region, <laughs> in your peaches, in my plums. Yeah. No, I do feel like um, I feel like every game I've watched for Mizzou, despite the, the loss to Kentucky and despite the uh, poor showing to Central Michigan, it, they seem to be improving. And I I feel like there's going to be a point where this team's going to put it all together. And even if you put it all together against a Georgia, you're going to lose. But I think. If this is the week that, that Mizzou can put it together and force some turnovers on defense, because I don't expect them to be throwing shutouts up because their defense just isn't that good, but if they can force some turnovers and Basilak and Beatty can continue to do the things that they've been doing, I feel like this is a, a great opportunity for Mizzou to, to sort of they need to they need to win this game handily. They need to take mm-hmm. a division one opponent who's not a, a turd burger necessarily and and enforce their will on them. Because if they can't I'll put it this way, if they can't you know, sort of have their way with Boston College, you know, don't look for us to just kick a mud hole in Tennessee or in South Carolina either. You know, and I know the team is young and I know Drinkwitz has sort of been couching everything with this, hey, don't expect too much from us sort of talk. But I mean, even on the, even if you're on the way up, you should be able to fucking have your way with Boston College. If you're in the SEC, you should have your way with Boston College. And I'm not saying that four touchdowns, but you know, you should definitely win this game and it shouldn't be in question going in the last five minutes, you know? Yeah. It'll be a tough road environment. Nonetheless, even if Missouri is looking good, there's going to be challenges to, uh, to overcome oh, fuck it. a bunch of Southie trash screaming in their voices. Hey, you fucking Mizzou players. You know what I mean? Like if we can handle that, you know what I mean? You can go to death Valley. You can handle a bunch of fucking Southie trash from Boston. Well, I certainly think that, uh, the Kentucky crowd was pretty raucous. Uh, we certainly had the SEC announcers tell us that over and over and over again. And I can't imagine that Boston College is going to drum up a uh, home crowd that's going to be anything like that. So you're probably right there. Yeah. But like I said, I mean, all joking aside, I, I really, Mizzou needs to, Mizzou needs to, you know, sort of take hold of this game and sort of hold on to it for the whole game. I, I'm sick of, um, you know, sort of the back and forth. I'm sick of, I'm sick of those bad possessions basically because we've had several of those in all of our games we're just stalled possessions um you know the first game where we couldn't convert a third down it all just feels like mizzou's had a bit of a slow start well sure and and i think colin that uh it's time to shake the rust off yeah i i think that you know this is college football and i think we all probably have to deal with all college football fans unless you're alabama probably have to deal with the fact that they don't start out like a rocket ship but um you know we can't this isn't the nfl you don't get free agents what you got is what you have and that's what you're gonna have to finish the season with and so i think you're right i think the team could gel and kind of come into its own but i also think that 
every single game we're going to have to deal with one like teeth gnashingly bad defensive laps where somebody just runs up the gut and goes for 64 yards for a touchdown like every week whether it's boston college or whether it's georgia we're going to see that from our missouri defense and we're going to still win some games in spite of that well and i do think you know if you're looking for signs of optimism on the defense you say this it's a first year for this defensive coordinator this um this group of players was not recruited to his system. Um, this group of players just learned this defense. Um, you know, I think the, the biggest problem with the defense is probably straight up talent, honestly. But, you know, think about apply it to your daily life. You're listening to this podcast. Like how much better were you at your job in year five than you were at year one? Do you know what I mean? Like these kids are just learning this defense and hopefully, you know, this is going to be another opportunity to basically execute what they've been learning and hopefully they they're learning, you know, they, maybe they don't, maybe they're not going to run the fastest 40 and they're not going to have the biggest vertical leap and they're not going to get drafted. But you know, if they're, if they've got anything in the five inches between their ears, they should just by virtue of familiarity be improving on defense. Like your golf game. Exactly. Brendan. Well, Colin, why don't we uh, head into our first break for the day because college football season is starting to take shape. There was some interesting football that took place in the SEC, and we're going to have it for you when we go around the horn. We're also going to have Kansas news. Stay tuned for all that and more. This is the Mazotcast. Hey, Mazodcast fans, we are going to throw the first ever Mazodcast tailgate live October 2nd, Missouri facing Tennessee. We're going to have everything, food, entertainment, all the personalities from the Mazodcast will be there. We're going to have all kinds of things to give away. We want to see you. We're going to have the biggest tailgate we can throw and get you in the mood to watch a Missouri victory over the lowly Tennessee volunteers. And you can come back to the tailgate, drink all you want, and watch Tennessee fans cry sour grapes. Sour grapes. Live in person. It's going to be glorious, and we want you to be there. So get your ticket to the October 2nd Missouri Tennessee game and come to our tailgate in Lot N, as in no, Peyton Manning doesn't play here anymore. And join in the first ever live hot garbage. Hot garbage. Mazodcast tailgate extravaganza. <laughs> Colin, it's time for our voicemail segment, but uh, I wanted to play you a little one before we got the jingle rolling because this one came in prior to the football game, and I thought maybe you'd want to hear it. Listen here, cock gobbler, and you two jizz tits. All right, I'm just going to get right to the point. I just took a shit. I just dropped my Tuesday afternoon deuce. My post-work pre-jerked, now I'm hungry, Tuesday deuce, and I couldn't enjoy it with the sound of your shit shitty voices like I always do. I could always count on whenever you guys are late, at least I got it for my Tuesday deuce. Now, if I drop my deuce next Tuesday and you guys haven't dropped your next sode of this shit magic that you call Mazodcast, you might get a not-so-nice message on this here phone number. Well, I'm going to be nice for now because I understand that you guys are amateurs and yeah. that's the way it is. But get your shit together so I can enjoy my shit while listening to the shit. Because that's what you guys are. The shit. M-I-Z. Wow, so, that's the most complimentary voicemail I've ever heard that pertained to taking a dump. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> fans, i just like you to know that I am what's known as a show horse. I just come on this show and blabber. If you have any complaints about how quickly the show goes up, down, or anything of that nature, you can direct those those complaints directly to Britain because mm-hmm. uh, I don't do any of the work. <laughs> no, and and you complaining, if you think it's going to make Colin start doing work, <laughs> well, you got another thing coming. <laughs> you are mistaken. <laughs> well, let's get into the regular voicemail. I wanted you to hear that because there is a fine chance, you know, that we're going to come up against this guy's Tuesday deuce again. Oh, Brennan, you're going to... As soon as we're done recording, you're going to go straight into, you're going to barrel right into editing the show and getting it up. I, I'm sure of it. 
God, I remember the good old days. But you remember the good old days when um, With the- before you were you had a Miss Mazad cast and we'd do the show and stay up all half the night getting the show up like the next day. You remember those days? Boy, those were those were salad days. <laughs> they really were. <laughs> they're, they're long since in the past, though. Well, when I noticed that the numbers were not effective, when I uh, hustled my ass off and stayed up till two a.m. getting the podcast out, and when I slept in and <laughs> watched <laughs> NFL and ate nachos, <laughs> and it made no impact on the uh, on the uh, downloads. On the downloads, uh, I took it easier. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. What's up, you fucking idiot? God, I want to give Tyler Betty the longest and best two-hand hand jibber a guy can fucking get. Jesus Christ. I love that, man. Go fuck yourselves. Love you, bye. Oh, Phil. I kind of have to wonder what we have to gain from playing SEMO at all. Like, are we that desperate for a win? We couldn't play, like, some mid-tier group of five team. We had to pick one of the worst FCS teams. Like, you learn nothing about the team from this game. It's just nothing but complete annihilation, and you don't improve at all. So I just don't know why this game even happened. Because we can count it as a W, and it's for free. Well, not for free. We pay a lot of money for that W, but uh, they're hard to come by. Everybody does it. Everybody eats their cupcakes. That's right. What's up, guys? Carolina. Jack Pot. Joining you from the state of South Carolina. Hey, um, not here to rag on either one of you guys, but uh, have you seen uh, Kentucky playing football today? They are riding the struggle bus with four flat tires against something called UT Chattanooga. The only <laughs> thing famous uh, that come out of Chattanooga is the moon pies I eat at snack time. And I uh, see you guys are uh, taking care of business to get CMO. I guess that's a barber slash hairstyle and tire lube and repair university from uh, the southeastern part of your state. That's correct. Anyway, I uh, just wanted to say that I've enjoyed your content so far this year, and uh, when I'm not pulling for SC, it's M-I-Z. That a boy. See you guys later. Peace, and I'm out. Pray for us tonight against Georgia. It's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not going to pray for South Carolina ever, but we appreciate the call. And I'll say this, Brennan, I want I want to say that the first person who dropped the uh, bedazzled sack nickname was Carolina Jackpot. Am I wrong in that? I think that is his nickname. Yeah, it was uh, donated to us Mizzou fans by Carolina Jackpot. And if, if we are wrong, I apologize to the author of bedazzled sack, but I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure you're right. I think it's uh, Carolina Jackpot's coining yeah, of so the I term. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how long uh, Basilak will be our quarterback. I mean, maybe he'll have an NFL career. Who knows? But uh, and. If, on the Mazad cast here and always, he will be bedazzled sack. Yeah. And Caroline Jackpot can can put that feather in his cap. Well, we made sure Jake Crane at the J-Boy Show knew that as well. Yep, that's right. He's so employed he's, there he's, now at the J-Boy Show. Yeah, he's he's um, blowing up. He's uh, with Cal- Colin Cowherd now and stuff. And uh, Yeah. Michael Cox is the real deal, baby. The next RB1 in Mizzou. <laughs> that guy was watching the game late. Dude, he did look good. He's right. That Cox kid, I want him to get some touches. That guy's a fucking freight train. Yeah. It'd be I mean, nice. He just looked like a freight train because it was Simo, but I was like, uh, everything I saw there, I was kind of like, yeah, I like that. Well, I mean, how many times have we seen a Missouri team have like a fourth string running back, third, fourth string running back that when they do get tick, make the absolute most out of it, and then we like never see them again? Yeah, it's a shame, but I want that kid to get some get some reps. I'd like to see it against better talent, sure. Our defense couldn't stop the fat kid from exercising. Am I? Hello, Mizzou Cast Podcast. My first voicemail sucked, so I'm leaving another one. I'm going to go Beatty for Kirk Farmer's player of the game. Defense looked like hot garbage. And Steve Wilkes looks an awful lot like Demonte Cross um, from 2016-ish. We all know what happened to him. Don't know if that should happen or not, but uh leave it to you guys. Am I? I'll say this. I, I like Wilkes' scheme a lot better. I like Demonte Cross's Fucking read, react, gap fit, no pressure, horseshit. You know, I, I like blitzing and, and, uh, Wilkes's defense does try to, try to apply pressure at some point. And that was something that 
Demonte Cross just didn't feel like pressure on the defense was a good thing for some reason. <laughs> I know. So you're, you all at Mizzou are kind of famous for pass rush. I'm going to stop that. Yeah. We're going to nip that in the bud right now. Hey, uh, Mizzou looked good till they didn't. You know, uh, Colonel Sanders, you cocksucker, you almost got yours. You know, I was <laughs> fucking praying, but obviously my God couldn't defeat the fried chicken God. Any <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, uh, that dude that called in last week told us to stop effing, uh, Connor Bedazzled Sacks D. Like, dude, take your fucking Drew Lock poster down the rain, go fuck yourself. Like, get the fuck out of here. Anywho, uh, you know what? The SEC looks legit. I mean, Alabama actually got tried today. And Ole Miss can fucking hammer your back door. I mean, I don't know. Getting scary. It's getting scary in six. I'll uh, I'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> May see him all too soon. Very intimate phone call. I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yeah, take your Drew Lock posters down is his advice. All right, well that will do it for uh, for SEMO week, Con. I think we had like seven voicemails. If you're keeping track at home, we got well into the 40s versus uh, Kentucky, but uh, not as much excitement somehow during a shitty SEMO game. But I bet there was excitement in another part of the world. Why don't we uh, head over to the West and see what's going on in Kansas, Colin? I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, and sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. First story of the day, Jay-Z sues Kansas City, Kansas Police Department over misconduct claims. Jay-Z, as in uh, Beyonce's husband? Yes, rapper Jay-Z. You thought Kansas had nothing to do with hip-hop or anything remotely close to what was popular in the last 40 years. But you'd be wrong. Jay-Z came to town to sue Kansas. I I agree with his... uh suing kansas policy i don't know about much else well apparently a social group a social justice group founded by jay-z and others has sued kansas city kansas's police department in an effort to get records involving misconduct claims against a number of officers jay-z's group team rock said it requested records to look into the scope of misconduct claims against different officers over the past decade they say they hope to find complaints to evaluate if the department's training and supervision is adequate Oh, Brennan, I thought of something. I agree with both his suing Kansas policy and his porking Beyonce policy. So that's two things. Okay. Well, so yeah, he's uh, he's after the Kansas City, Kansas cops, and also he porks Beyonce. Well, I think, Colin, this story's going nowhere. So uh, congratulations on suing Kansas. I hope you bankrupt the entire community. Jay-Z. Kansas man walks 2,500 miles for the homeless. Spoiler alert, they're all still homeless. I mean, it didn't help. <laughs> a Wichita, Kansas man is walking across the country to help people who are homeless. Homeless people say, no thanks. Andrew Kivett started a 2,500-mile journey to, in Tybee Island, Georgia on July 23rd and hopes to end it in Santa Monica, California. He teamed up with a nonprofit called Shower Up, which uh, I don't know if Shower Up is a good name for an organization that helps homeless. I mean, it's, it's an organization that helps homeless bathe. They're like, God damn, these homeless people stink. Yeah, I mean, there is the uh, connection between showering and homeless people. And I don't know if you would just want to draw attention to it. Well, they they apparently provide mobile showers for the homeless, as you say. The organization currently has locations in four cities across the country. And Kivit hopes this walk will help them expand. Because we need... Showers is good, Britain. I mean, mean, sure, most people would try to, you know, work on things like food. And, uh, you know, like mental health and shelter, basic human shelter, shelter. you know, footwear, you know, any number of things really before they get to showers. So basically this guy thinks homeless people stink and uh, (laughs) rather than help their way of life, he just wants to shoot them with hot water. Yeah. He's like, I wish you didn't smell so bad. I don't mind you being homeless, mind you. Mm -hmm. I just wish it didn't smell so bad doing it. (laughs) And, you know, I'm going to try to help you out as best I can. I'm going to take a really long walk. (laughs) That'll help. Yeah. It's uh, 
latest in a series of absolutely meaningless gestures, which accomplishes nothing. But congratulations for it. Well, Brennan, um, if you like meaningless gestures, I I uh, I suggest you go to Facebook. This <laughs> is the reservoir for such. Yeah, everyone's a hero as long as they agree with your politics. Kansas woman accused of altering lottery ticket at a bar. Kansas woman was taken to jail on Sunday for allegedly trying to alter a lottery ticket to add $75 to her 35 cents worth of winnings, police say. God, imagine going to fucking jail for that. Well, it does almost seem like a waste of the cop's time. Uh, Rachel Richardson, age 28, of Wichita, was charged Monday with altering a lottery ticket and, slight little addendum here, possession of methamphetamines. Oh, there, there it is. In court records, Lincoln police say they were called to Big Red Kino on West O Street shortly after 11.30 p.m. Saturday about a woman who returned to the bar after trying to cash a $75.35 bank shot Kino ticket earlier in the day. The, the, the bar's name is Big Red Kino? <laughs> I think this happened in in Nebraska. So this is a Kansas woman acting the fool in Nebraska. And as you know, Big yeah, Red. I know, but Big Red Kino? They named their bar after the game, after that, after like the the game that plays in the corner? Well, I wonder if it's sort of a half-ass excuse at a casino kind of place. I don't know. It doesn't make much sense. I feel like you're very hung up on it. Well, it's, it strikes me as strange, but mm-hmm. then again, I like to drink at black and gold slot machine. <laughs> so maybe I'm thinking about too much. Yeah, yeah maybe you uh, shouldn't uh, throw stones in your glass bar. Sure. An employee told police they noticed the woman sitting at a bank shot machine that afternoon pretending to play before going to the restroom for more than two hours. There's the, they're burying the lead. <laughs> oh, God. Then, That's quite a dude. <laughs> then at 7.30 p.m., she allegedly tried to redeem the ticket covered in shit. How did she walk? I mean, imagine how her legs had got to be asleep after a two-hour dump. You're assuming that's what she was doing in there. I mean, she had the methamphetamines, and who knows? She may have had a pool cue, for all we know. Something to keep her busy. But police say the ticket registered on the computer was a 35-cent win, according to the affidavit. When an employee called another employee over, the woman said she had to use the restroom and then left. Richardson allegedly told police she'd found the ticket on the floor and thought it was her lucky day. They said... They found a lottery ticket with numbers cut out of it, bottles of glue, exacto knives, and tweezers in her purse, along with a pipe with suspected meth residue. <laughs> Good Lord, think about this. Two hours in a dumper, modifying a ticket to win $75. <laughs> I know. When you start to think about what your hourly wage is, you know, maybe you just, I don't know, get a job. Yeah, what? I mean, geez, Louise. <laughs> but uh, instead, she went to jail for... Uh, you know that for seventy five dollars and thirty five cents. Oh, sure, I forgot. My my apologies, Colin. We have one final piece of news for you today. Are you familiar with an old college football conference that was once called the Big Twelve? I am. I, I heard. Uh, I heard that the BYU Fighting Mormons are going to join it. Do you have any idea at this point in the history? How many teams are actually in the Big Twelve? If you had to guess. I don't even know who's in the Big Twelve anymore, Brennan. I honestly don't. If I had to, uh, if somebody offered me a check for $1,000 to name every member of the Big 12, I'd be like, I'd give up. (laughs) Well, we're most interested right now. It's Kansas News, Colin. We're most interested in one member of the Big 12, obviously the worst member of the Big 12, the worst member of any conference you were to name. They uh, had a chance to get a Big 12 win against a uh, lowly Baylor team. You know, Baylor's on on the men. They've had some rough years. Do you have? Did you watch this game? Do you have any idea what the score was? No, I didn't even know they played. Honestly, well, they barely played. Colin, uh, Kansas, though they were at home, took on Baylor and lost forty-five to seven. That's a shame. They should put SEMO on their schedule. Well, they had South Dakota State, wasn't it? Then they charged the field and tore down goalposts to celebrate their one non-conference win ever. They sit at one and two for the year, zero oh and one in conference play. Yeah, that's a shame. Well, maybe they'll beat Texas. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's always possible. I mean, Arkansas did it. Arkansas did it. Does uh, does Arkansas scare you, by the way, at this point? Not really. But I tell you what, the SEC media is really enjoying uh, jacking off that Pittman fella over this football team. 
It'll be fun to watch Kansas lose out for the rest of the year. If, if this season doesn't go the way we hope it does for Mizzou, at least we'll be able to watch Kansas in misery. I wonder how long Kansas has got to be this bad before they truly do just like say, you know what, give up on football. Well, we don't need it. We can't do. It. I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> you do. You do wonder. I mean, there are teams that have obviously had bad football for a long time, but you know, there are Power Five conference. There's, I don't know of any other team in a Power Five conference that like, well, we just can't do football. We're incapable. Yep, it's just not something we're able to do. Well, why don't we take a look at some good football, Colin? I mean, get the taste of Kansas out of our mouth. And I think that's a service to all of our listeners. Brent, I don't even want you to say things like that anymore. That was that's unsettling. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's go around the horn with the SEC. We. Waffle House, our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built the church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And Colin, as always, would you boot up the Paul Feinbot for us? Yup, yup. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban. Hey, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. Let's get started. I'm ready if Paul is. Colin, why don't we jump right into the South Carolina versus Georgia game that Carolina Jackpot was talking about in the voicemail segment that did not go the way that uh, he would have likely hoped. Number two, Georgia had no trouble with the Gamecocks. They won 40 to 13. <laughs> Paul, that's not nice. Georgia's uh, Georgia's defense is legit. Well, and they had no trouble scoring against South Carolina either. I worry that forty to thirteen is going to be a very similar score line whenever we come and play uh, the Bulldogs. You're right about that. Texas A and M, another Mizzou opponent on our schedule this year. They're number seven in the country and looking good, looking better. They're warming up. I mean, they played New Mexico, who is not a very good football team, but they dicked them. 34 to nothing. I'll drink to that. I watched a very little of this game because I very quickly realized what was going to happen and thought, oh, this is not entertaining at all. Yes, sir. Texas A&M to this point, though, still is not, they still don't look like the team that everybody promised to be this season. And maybe they'll get there, but I'm just, everybody's like, eh, if there's a team that's going to give, you know, Alabama a run for their money, it'll be that Texas A&M squad. Now, that is, I have not seen that yet. No, they've got a lot to live up to before that. You know, one team that did look good in the SEC West, Colin, and didn't get the win, and I don't know if you saw this game, but I did see some of it. Auburn went on the road to take on number 10 Penn State in uh, Happy Valley, and it was a 28-20 to game. Auburn lost, but Auburn also got butt-fucked by the officials. Did you happen to see this weird play where – Auburn, I guess, technically did not down the punt. I just saw it in highlights. I didn't watch the game, but uh, there's a lot of people talking about what a, a good game it was and and giving Auburn kudos for going outside the SEC and playing a, a, a big-time opponent. Um, but, uh, you know, they still should have won. You know what I mean? Like, God damn it, don't go to Penn State and lose. No. <laughs> no, it, it's true, but – but Penn State was, uh, you know, they had a full house and it was a big crowd and it was a good game. It was really a good game to watch. It is a shame that Auburn had to come away with the loss, but uh, it was, they were certainly, I mean, if you are an Auburn fan and were concerned about what Auburn might be this year, you have to think, well, you know what? They're, uh, they're nothing to sneeze at because I think they were, you know, being looked at as sort of third. I, I don't know. I, from what I saw, I think Auburn beats Texas A&M head-to-head. They are a really good football team. Ole Miss is uh, still chomping through its cupcake part of the schedule, but doing it with uh, ease. They uh, beat Tulane 61-21 to as that Ole Miss offense cannot stop scoring touchdowns. Yeah, it's weird. The uh, Tulane's cool helmets didn't help them win a football game. <laughs> yeah. It's almost as if helmet design doesn't help at all. Yeah, the Martian character they had uh, didn't didn't do anything. But Matt Corral did. He was 25 for 31, threw for 335 yards and three touchdowns before getting pulled. So, uh, yeah. yeah I'm Shocking. Matt Corral believer. I, I, uh, as of last year, I was still on the, uh, oh, he's fucking overrated uh, <laughs> train. But uh, 
Yeah, he may not be overrated. Yeah, he's a pretty good quarterback. Ole Miss looks like a pretty good football team. We're going to find out how this SEC West is going to shake out. There's a lot of good football teams, and uh, there's only one spot in the uh, championship game. Uh, Arkansas, they think they're a contender for the West crown this year, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Paul, Paul thinks that's hilarious too. Uh, they are ranked number 20 in the country now. Did you realize that after their win over Texas? No, no, but that's win against Georgia Southern. Isn't Georgia Southern a telephone company? Yeah, I think that's a. I switched from them to AT and T, so I could yeah, get better coverage. Years back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Arkansas had no trouble with them, forty-five to ten. <laughs> then there's the game that Carolina Jackpot was referring to: Kentucky, who beat us last week, having a little bit of a struggle against Chattanooga, a now one and two program. Kentucky did win this game, twenty-eight to twenty-three, but they needed fourteen fourth quarter points to do it, and. uh Kentucky, lo and behold, didn't look like the fucking world beater we thought they were last week. That scares me a little bit. This is not the only game that has an impact on Mizzou's schedule so far that has scared me. Kentucky looking like shit scares me. Also, LSU taking on Central Michigan scares me because LSU had no trouble with Central Michigan winning 49-21. And uh, their offense, Central Michigan's offense, did not look nearly as potent against LSU as they did against our hapless defense. Well, I'll say this again. With Kentucky, you know, Kentucky was treating Mizzou a little bit like a big game. You know, they had bulletin board material. They had a, that picture of that uh, Ken, uh, Kentucky player surrounded by Mizzou players all week. I think they had built the Missouri game up to something. And uh, I think they this Chattanooga team got the benefit of a, maybe a little bit of a trap game. They thought they were concerned about Missouri, and that's all they were worried about. And they thought they were going to sleepwalk through Chattanooga and kind of got pantsed. Segwaying perfectly to Mississippi State, their trap game against Memphis, they did not come out unscathed. They lost that game 31-29 to on the road. And uh, I think Mississippi State fans were uh, complaining about SEC officiating as well. But – uh, Mississippi State has not looked great on the year, and they finally got a ding on their record. They're two and one now. Hot garbage. Memphis is scary. You know what I mean? They're a tough team to have on the on the oh, yeah. They're, they're a bit of a giant killer. They always have been. And I, I mean, I tell you what, for a guy who at one time thought I could, I could see Mike Leach as Mizzou's head coach. I just every time I hear him talk now, I'm like, no, he's a he's a straight up lunatic, and uh, I don't think he's going to be uh, going to be very helpful to Mississippi State. And I certainly don't want. Certainly wouldn't want him at Mizzou, and uh, I think that's how bad Barry Odom was. He made me think Mike Leach might be the answer. <laughs> well, uh, Josh Heupel, uh, I guess he was the answer last week for Tennessee as they took on vaunted in-state rival Tennessee Tech. They dicked them 56 to nothing. <laughs> it's pretty easy to get through these uh, games in the first three weeks whenever these games are just abysmal. Um, but you know, Vanderbilt, they didn't go the easy route. They took on a, a Pac 12 opponent in Stanford who, uh, had very little trouble with a very bad Commodores team. Stanford won this one 41 to 23. Yeah, you should definitely bet this game. <laughs> did you bet it? I did. I should have. Yeah. Well, we know Missouri had relatively little trouble with uh, Southeast Missouri State winning 59 to 28 but it leaves one game that I haven't mentioned Colin it was the uh, game of the week as far as I'm concerned in the SEC number 1 Alabama taking on number 11 Florida in the swamp I was predicting a big Alabama win I don't know about you I didn't bet it thankfully because I would have definitely taken Alabama to cover the uh, spread but I do not believe they did winning 31 to 29 in an absolute nail biter Holding off the Florida Gators. I passed out from drinking too much. Yeah, I. Everybody's looking at this as like as a um, as a sign that Alabama isn't that good. And I'm thinking maybe it's a sign that Florida is just slightly better than the J boys of the world thought. You know, I I still think Alabama is going to be hard for anybody to beat. Though it does make me think that Georgia is going to have their shot because uh, I do think Georgia is a better team than Florida. But um, you know this this sentiment that maybe Alabama is not elite. That I've seen, I'm like, give me a break. Who is if 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 Alabama's not elite, then who is? You know, yeah. Clemson. Give me a break. Their offense is trash. They got a great defense. You know, I uh, Oklahoma. Ohio State's already got a loss. With, yeah, they're gonna uh, Oklahoma gonna fill you with confidence the way they've been playing. 
you know, I mean, maybe Georgia or uh, Alabama is an elite, but I, they're still the best team in the country. Well, I feel like with Alabama every year, because of the quality of recruits that they get and because of the reputation of Nick Saban, every year the media pe- folks, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, they just assume that Alabama is going to be like an NFL team and unbeatable, you know, and, and sometimes they are, sometimes they are just that good. And then when they do win games and especially against inferior opponents, they do it in such a, such a surgical way that you think, well, this is everybody's going to get beat by three touchdowns. But the reality is there's a lot of good football teams out there and Florida might just be one of them. And again, this is the other game that scares the shit out of me. The third game that I've seen, you know, Florida's a lot better, clearly. If they're hanging with Alabama, they are better than we thought. Central Michigan got manhandled by LSU. They made us look bad. LSU didn't have that problem. And then Kentucky barely winning against a shitty team. Like, these are bad omens for the Tigers. Nothing about this is like, well, at least we can take some solace and blah, blah, blah. There's no solace to be taken. The teams that we beat don't look great. The teams that we barely Lost two are struggling. It's, uh, I don't know. Nothing makes me feel happy about what's going on. The hapless Tigers continue to inch toward the bottom of the SEC. Now you sound worried. You should take drugs. <laughs> Good advice. Well, uh, speaking of needing to take drugs, Vanderbilt, after their thumping from Stanford, is now going to take on number two, Georgia. They're coming to Nashville to uh, wallop the that doesn't uh, seem fair. Commodores. What well, you want to guess what Georgia's favored by here, Colin? I don't know. Maybe you have it pulled up and you can cheat. Thirty-four but, and a half. Yeah, we can't play this game. I guess as long as you're following along. <laughs> I'm paying attention, but isn't that what you always ask me to do? It is, and I just didn't expect it to ever happen. <laughs> All right. Well, closer game, and I think this is a game I'm going to take money on. I, I just looking yeah, at it right now. Two and a half for LSU, Mississippi State. That's I think LSU. The one I'm looking at too. Yeah, LSU is going to clobber Mississippi State. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, two and a half is easy money. Take Agreed. that action. Texas A&M is going to head on the road to play number now 16 in the country, Arkansas. Number seven, Texas A&M is taking it on number now 16, Arkansas. They're going to be playing in Jerry's World, AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. A&M's a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. The over-under is 48. I mean, I, it's it should be an interesting game, Colin, because as you mentioned, Texas A&M hasn't looked like you know nipping at Alabama's heels, but Arkansas has – they've looked good. They're, you have to admit that they've looked good. They seem to be two teams that are on an equal footing right now, and I don't know who's going to win it, and it's not a game I would want to bet. Me neither. Anyway, I I think Arkansas is a team that I'm going to pick like their opponent. I'm going to pick the Texas A&Ms until Arkansas gives me a reason not to, and a win over Texas ain't enough for me just yet. But it'll be something if Arkansas basically routes through the best two teams that Texas puts out on the field. Uh, Auburn is going to play Georgia State to get their free win this weekend after a tough game at Penn State. Um, Obviously, I think we all think Auburn's going to win that one. Auburn. Yeah, no no doubt about it. And then number 11, Florida, just coming off their close loss to Alabama, will be playing host to Tennessee and the Volunteers. Florida is a 20-point favorite in this game, and I do think that Florida's 20 points better. But I think that's a lot of points to give up in an SEC conference game. Florida. Yeah, it sure is. It's a, uh, it's, you said a bad omen, as you say. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be very tempted to take the points and uh, enroll with Tennessee plus those points because uh, you just never know what happens when they pull the starters. South Carolina is going to host Kentucky, and Kentucky is a five and a half point favorite, and I think that Kentucky can easily win this game by a touchdown. Yeah, I think uh, that they uh, after the Chattanooga scare, I think Kentucky's going to be on a mission to prove that they're better than that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if, if Kentucky has any questions right now, it's its defense. I mean, they did let us score a lot of points. Obviously, they had trouble with Chattanooga, but uh, South Carolina, I don't think is going to give them a problem, even on the road. I think Will Levis is going to have a bounce back game. So, anyway. Um, Alabama is not even worth talking about hardly. They're going to be taking on Southern Miss at home. It's uh, going to be brutal. Hoping they don't kill anybody. Um, Alabama's 3-0 and and obviously number one in the country. Yeah, Alabama. Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. Nick Saban. And then that brings us to our Missouri Tigers who are heading to Alumni Stadium in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts to take on Boston College. 
Like we said, our Tigers are two-point favorites currently, over-under sitting at 59. I'd like to have the confidence to bet on our Tigers this weekend, Colin. I don't know about you. Well, I've already said I think they're going to win by two touchdowns, so I guess I would, I'm going to take the take that bet. The uh, I don't know. I, what I've read about Boston College is their um, the defense has played um, inconsistently. They lost their starting quarterback. Um, I feel like a couple of stalled drives on Boston College's part could lead to a Missouri route. So that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm keeping my fingers crossed for. I'm hoping that Baby and Bedazzled Sack are um, heads and tails better football players than they've seen so far in their um, sort of cupcake schedule to this point. And uh, so, you know, I just, I'm, I'm hoping that they haven't seen a Kiki Chisholm yet and they haven't seen a, a Tyler Beatty and they certainly haven't seen a Basil Act. So hopefully Missouri puts it on them. That's what they need to do. They need to, for me to have a lot of confidence in them and, and to sort of put this season on a better trajectory than I think most Mizzou fans feel that it is. They need to put some. They need to put it on Boston College a little bit. I think I'll pass on watching the Missouri game. That'll do it for our uh, docket of games next weekend, Colin. Uh, you know, after Missouri beats Boston College by two touchdowns, as you predicted, we're going to have that Tennessee game where we're going to have our big tailgate, and I think we got some disappointing news today, didn't we, Colin? Yeah, we did. It's an eleven o'clock start, so. We'll have to cram all our drinking and drug use into uh, the early morning hours, but that's that's okay. We're, we're more than capable of abusing drugs and alcohol uh, in the morning hours. Well, that's right. We can instead of pouring beer on top of pulled pork sandwiches, we can pour bloody marys on top of sausage and eggs. You know, we that's can. That's right. We'll make it happen, Captain. That's right. And Brennan, I'm going to tell you this right now: cocaine's good at any time of day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's never been a time that's been invented that didn't go well with a sweet, sweet, powdery taste of cocaine. That's right. I'll stand by that. That's the statement 100%. But we are still excited to have our tailgate, although we can't drink and party all day at it as we might have hoped. We're going to be in lot in. We'll have a couple of spots reserved. We're going to have a lot of swag. We're going to have hopefully some good breakfast food now that we know what's going to happen. We'll have music. We're going to have all kinds of uh, your Mazad cast personalities there. Uh, we'll even have a mic handy, I think. So we're going to try to get some recording from it. And uh, we do want to see you, as many Mazad cast fans as we can get there. We'll get stickers out to you, whatever we can. So uh, join us October 2nd. God, Colin, it's less than two weeks away now. I know. I'm excited. I'm excited. And I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, the Mazad cast tailgate will go to the football game. And then it might go to a strip club. We don't know. Uh, of course, we don't know, and we'll we'll just keep you guys. You know, we'll keep you guys plugged in. We have no way of knowing. Like, hey, here's where we're headed now. Let's keep the party going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's exchange numbers. We're all going to head to the same place. You know, let's get a big group That's text right. going. So let's get in a fist fight with some Tennessee fans in Club Boat. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> that That's how we always wanted this night to end. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's too bad Caleb the Greek won't be there though, because he he's our he's our. Uh, you know, honestly, Brendan, I mean, if we're going to get in a fight, we kind of need our, 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 our Caleb. He's our mean? bouncer. Yeah. Our that's bi- all right, though. We'll have plenty of backup, I'm hoping. Yeah, that's right. And I can throw a haymaker with a chair as well as anybody. <laughs> well, speaking of excited, Colin, do you want to uh, pick your uh, Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game? Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. Well, who do you think? Who's it going to be, Beatty or uh, or Bazelak? They both had great numbers. They both didn't play in the second half. Those are easy answers for everybody. I mean, I guess this would be a game where you could pick some sort of second or third stringer and did something that noteworthy for you. But I I felt like it was a snooze fest by halftime. And uh, as always for me, it's, it's Beatty. I mean, until somebody else does something amazing, I can't tell you how excited I am about Tyler Beatty. He's just great. Well, I, mean, I don't think you can sleep on Bazelak. You know, he's 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 – uh, um, as a quiet guy with a lot of poise, he doesn't. He's not very flashy, but I mean, you look at those numbers, and uh, they were pretty impressive. But I'll, I'll go with Beatty again. That's three weeks in a row, Brennan. Well, I know it, and we could have easily given it to Connor Bazelak. Like you said, I mean, he had 346 yards throwing and and three passing touchdowns, 21 for 30. He had a great game, and just because we're up against crappy opponents doesn't mean we shouldn't point that out. But you know, we got to see a lot of Tigers play. I think that was something we probably haven't talked about enough, but should have, which is we got to see a lot of guys we've only heard about to this point. And uh, it was exciting to see some of those guys get action and some have some success. And a lot of guys got in the end zone. 
Uh, like I mentioned, we had three quarterbacks throw passing touchdowns. That's good for everybody down the road. Well, it know, is good to cut the, your teeth. With uh, Beatty getting the turkey when it comes to uh, Kirk Farmer Hare Player of the Game Awards, you sh- mm-hmm. we should do like, remember the old days we used to put the blonde locks on top of whatever player won the award? Yeah, sure. Maybe for a, maybe because for the trifecta, we should do that for, for Beatty. Go ahead and put the golden, pure, spun magic that is Kirk Farmer's hair on top of Tyler Beatty. Sure. Are you volunteering to do that work or did you, or are you yeah, asking no, me I'm, to do I'm more work? You to do that work, Brent. Gotcha. As okay. Always. Just want to check and double check that you were asking me to do more work and weren't volunteering to do work of your own. Uh, that's you, you nailed it. Great. Okay. Just want to triple check on that. All right, yeah. Colin, that takes us to uh, the other award we do. Sometimes fun, sometimes not. It's time for TJ Mo douche of the week. Douche of the week. Colin, I have a candidate. Uh, it's a little unusual, and it's sort of uh, stretching the limits of what a douche of the week is, because I actually kind of love this kid. Uh-huh. Missouri State, who I'm never usually going to compliment, but I really love this kid. He was returning a kick from uh, Central Arkansas, I think, they we were playing, and uh, they were down in the fourth quarter. He, uh, he's not a talented kid. He's on Missouri State's team. He returns the ball for uh, negative four yards. You know, that's, uh, and I don't know, I'm not a coach, but a lot of people tell me that's not a good return. Anyway, the, the central Arkansas folks, they couldn't bring him down. And the guy almost basically starts taking swings at would be tacklers from central Arkansas. None of them can bring him down. They keep pushing him backwards. The whistle's blown. He just keeps throwing haymakers, pushing central Arkansas players off of him. He's like a wildebeest. And, uh, and I loved it. And, uh, I mean, technically, like I said, you shouldn't be throwing swings at opponents during the middle of the game, but that's a, that's, that qualifies for douche, but, uh, it's a douche I can love. That's a, it's a douche move, but he's doing it to people from Arkansas. Yeah. So how can you be mad about that? Anyway, it's worth the footage. If you want to see it uh, online You can go to Reddit college football's Twitter account and they, <laughs> they played the video of it. It's not great for a podcast, Colin, cause it's something that has to be seen to be a fully appreciated, but, uh, yeah, well, it's, we're thin it's, on douches this week. For, yeah. It'll work for douche of the week. I mean, I mean, we can just do the cop out and just go look at whatever TJ Mo has actually put on Twitter or Clay <laughs> Travis or any person that is, specializes in flocking doucheitude these days. But we'll go with this. Sure. I mean, yeah, we can easily pull a TJ Mo out of a hat any given week. Um, you know, he used to cover He's sports. Up at all times, unfortunately. Did you know that he used to cover sports on a radio show? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time ago. It's way been. It's been a. Well, Brennan, you know, we've been doing the show a long time, and we have certainly seen classes come through. Like you know, the the kids who were at Mizzou listening to this podcast when we started it are no longer in school. To oh be yeah, sure. yeah. Twenty fourteen, so, we started this. To our newest listeners, you guys may not know this, but Clay Travis and. Uh, TJ Mo both used to cover sports. That's right. They used to predominantly be known for being in the sports world. I know that that's, yeah. as, you know, for many, many years, this has not been the case or anything remotely like it. So there's no way you could know it. But no, uh, so they, they didn't, they, they weren't, it wasn't their full time job to drag LeBron James, you know, a few years right, ago. Right, right. Now, now it is, of course. <laughs> yeah, sure. But you know how like Bill O'Reilly used to be on a current affair in the 80s? Before he yeah, had sure. the O'Reilly factor on Fox News, Clay Travis and TJ Moe—they also had other jobs doing completely different things than they do now. That's the point. But they discover it's more profitable to suck. <laughs> Just bellyache constantly. Anyway, Colin, we've uh, we're days away now from heading to Boston College. I don't know how to feel. I feel like um, we're going to learn a lot more in that game about our Tigers than we did this week against Semo. But I do have this lingering feeling of confidence that we can clobber the golden eagles or whatever the fuck they are the uh doug fluties the flying fluties the flying southy trash yeah they will be and we'll hate well, boston this week it's boston hate week that's right yeah so, well brendan i feel like you're feeling confident because i've been telling you it's, it's, it's a two touchdown win go ahead and bet it and yeah. uh don't hold me to it when you lose sure i i'm eager to hear if Corey fatoni has an opinion on this game uh i got i feel like he's got opinions about guys from boston first of all but uh, it is. I'm happy to have a Boston sure. hate week. If you know anybody from Boston or the Massachusetts area in general, feel free, feel free to just punch them in the face this week. You're a Tigers fan. You have every right. Um, <laughs> I don't even think the cops can do yeah, anything sure. about it. I don't even think it's illegal anymore. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a salt burn game to win. That's right. That's the lesson we want to take away here as we head out of this week's Mazadcast celebrating a win. Missouri's 2-1 and one heading to 
the East Coast. M-I-Z, Colin. Z-O-U. What? I see you go upstairs with Mama? No. All right, smell you later. Peace out. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.